and I'm putting in so much time and effort and energy dealing with you every week. It's I mean, good to that, have something I mean, that people can. If if that yeah. does not get you, you know, some sort of Mother Teresa esque <laughs> classification, I don't know what will. And welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck a little less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name's Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 042, recorded on October 5th, 2021. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> pretty much what's going on in my house right now. The um, We've got- Oh, you too. COVID, well, COVID ripped through here. Um, uh, we, we, well, we think COVID is ripping through. My wife was definitely positive. Uh, the kids are doing this thing called presumptive positive. I didn't even know this was a thing, uh, but I am 110% on board with presumptive positive because it means they go back to school faster. So yes, definitely on board right? with that. Yeah, well, yeah. How because, does that work? Well, I assume, you know, Based on the timeline of when you got sick and, you know, their symptoms, they had some coughing and some general just malaise, uh, you know, they determine, okay, well, we didn't have a test at that time and they're already negative because kids get over this super duper fast. Um, we are going to presume they were positive and then they'll take a test mm -hmm. instead of waiting, you know, three weeks, you know, we'll wait a week and take a test. And if it's negative, they go back to school the next day. So gotcha. Uh, gotcha. presumably everyone is going to be out of my house again and I will have my office. <laughs> I will have my office quiet solitude and sanity back starting on <laughs> Thursday of this week. Until then, the kids have been home for like the last week and week or so. And oh my gosh, I do not miss this, this everything from home stuff. In the, well, uh, that's in kind the of on you because pandemic. my office door locks from the inside. So <laughs> mine does Pro too. Tip. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, there's there's a giant as you as you can see, there's a giant glass panel in my door. So I, I get these it. Also, does not prevent them from like oh smacking it and uh, all yeah, day I mean, long, yeah. interrupting with all kinds of of nonsense. My I, you know yeah. my my five year old, he's he's right. It's like. He, he, he knows better. We tell him not to, you know, yeah. you know, I, I even have a, I, 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 ooh, I have is a he, pick. so, all right. So I have mine, a pick today. mine are like this. My oldest, you, you provide, you say, look, if you do X, then Y will happen. And my oldest says, Hey, that makes sense. I'm not going to do X. The second right. child, you say, if you do X, you, and then they interrupt you by doing X. Like there's nothing you can tell her to stop her from doing so. Like she has to learn the lesson herself. That's the only way. Um, so I actually have a pick that uh, I will incorporate into this story. Um, I have a, I have this, um, this handy dandy little device called uh, Luxafor. I think you and I have talked about this before. Luxafor. Um, no, I'm not familiar. No, we haven't talked about this. Okay, so it's the uh, Luxafor. It's a um, is the name of the company. The product is called the Luxafor Switch. It is a wireless status light. So I'm holding up the square. This is the this is the remote control that sits on my mm -hmm. desk, and it's going to be really hard to okay. see with the with the. Hold on a second. Let me let me turn off my uh, let me turn off my my camera lights here. Um, so you can see that it's it's blinking a blue color right now as i turn it it changes colors 
as I move it around. Okay. You see that happening? Okay. Out in the hallway, there is a corresponding receiver that has a battery pack attached to it, and it matches the color of the no light. No way. So, so that's I have what I've hanging. been looking for. Yeah. So, oh, really? You've been looking for something like this? That's Perfect. what I've been looking for. So, yeah. So it's a. So I got this at the start of the pandemic. I think it was. Um, actually, no. I may have gotten it before the pandemic, and it got super duper important during the pandemic because I was because oh I worked gosh. from home. The that kids would come clutch. home from school. Jen would come home from school. And yeah. It was an easy way for me to say, I'm in a meeting. Don't open the door. And so red means yeah. stop. Mm-hmm. You know, green means mm-hmm. okay. Uh, I think I the kids, blue means dance party because, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else would the blue light be? Uh, and you, then you, and you have to, you, you know, with kids, you have to make some part of it fun. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're not going to pay attention to any of it. Yeah. So, so this just sits on your desk and it changes colors based on the way you rotate it. Uh, it is, uh, it has is that, a USB. So is that Zigbee or like what protocol is that? I have no idea. I have absolutely no okay. idea. It just connects. It comes in as, as a package. Like it's just a, it's it's just whatever magic. a wireless yeah. frequency. Um, cause I'm thinking not only, not only am I going to buy this today, uh, <laughs> assuming you can find it on Amazon, not only am I going to buy that today, but yeah. I also immediately want to know whether I can integrate it with home assistant. Uh, this does not. Then no, as far as I know, it does not. Now there's a Bluetooth. No. Well, hold on. There's a Bluetooth version. So uh, there are three different types. There's the flag, which is a simple little USB thing with a bendy cable. And it's designed for if you're working in a public space with a laptop, it sticks up off your laptop. You change the color gotcha. of it from an gotcha. app on your phone. And so you can see right. in one of those in one of those godforsaken uh, wastelands of open floor plan offices, you can yeah. see if somebody's busy or not. There's the Luxafor Bluetooth, which is the same thing as this, only instead of it being an external thing like this, it's a Bluetooth that plugs into your computer and you control it from your computer. Okay. okay. So you can plug it into your computer that way. And then there's this one. This is the top end. This is the Luxafor switch. Um, and this, the, this, uh, is, this is 130 bucks. So it's not super expensive. Oh, you pay for the privilege. You pay for the privilege. Yeah. I mean, it, like for, for what yeah. it does, the price is high. I admit the price is high for what I've gotten out of it. It's been valuable. Now to contrast that the flag is 31 bucks and the Bluetooth one is 94. So okay. you do pay for the privilege. You could downgrade it. I like having, I really liked having this on my desk though. I liked having yeah. this thing on my desk. So um, so that's why I went with that. I will send you some links. And uh, we just did the earliest uh, pick I think we have ever done. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. So, super so I have two, handy. there are two camps in my head, two thought processes that are battling it out and they're both getting tired. One is, this is the best pick we've ever had. I love it. I'm buying one today. <laughs> and the other one is, you're not supposed to do the picks. I need to give you a bunch of crap for this. And those two warring factions, it's just deadlock. So I'm not sure where to go I've, from here. I have but that's, done, that's solid. I have done that's a solid. couple picks. Well, thank you. I'm glad you like it. I've done a couple picks, as I recall. I mean, yes, it has been, you, you have been the primary uh, primary domain Picker. of it. But, uh, you know, I, I see it more as a, you know, it's more of a show element rather pick, than a Chris element. I pick element. trends. I pick you know, items. I pick noses. I'm you just, are, I'm a you are a trendsetter. Prolific let's, let's be, picker. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you are definitely, when I think, when I, I look am. at you, when I look at you, the <laughs> first thing I think is that guy right there, that's a trendsetter. It's a trendsetter. Absolutely. Yep. He is, he is so ahead of the game. 
That's what totally. a, lot, a lot of people that know me intimately, they they know me for my my sense oh, of style. Oh, intimately. Fashion. Anyone who knows you yeah. just you know, avant-garde is, is really just, the thing you know. you're going to hear more than anything from me. <laughs> Trailblazer. Uh, so the the downside, the the caveat with this, the uh, the remote, the the Bluetooth and the switch one, the the two high end ones, the light works off of a battery pack, so you have to charge the battery pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a power saving mode. You can tell by the fact that, uh, again, really hard to see with the light in here, but this light is actually pulsing. You know, it actually like okay. I put my hand up to it a little bit and you'll see it sort of dim down there. There it goes. You saw how it blinked. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So it has this battery save mode and the, the, the flag piece itself also pulses to save battery juice. I have to charge it about, depending on how much I use it, I'll say once a week. Oh, now is one, I assume there's one orientation that's just off. Uh, yeah, actually, it, the, the, okay. the ergonomics of this are really, really good. All four, it, as the square, all four sides have a color, and then you just tilt mm-hmm. it down to turn it off. Oh, and so then you they just go tip off. it over okay. and it turns okay. off. So you yeah. said about once a week, and that's the that's the desk unit and the wall unit. The desk unit, pro- the, the desk unit lasts longer than the wall unit. I have found significantly okay. longer. Okay, uh, I think that's because the wall unit. If it's if I if I tilt the desk unit down, the wall unit continues to suck juice, keeping itself active, looking for a new signal. Like it has to keep watching Whereas the desk unit. Where the desk unit yeah, doesn't. Yeah. So so the wall unit's probably polling the desk unit. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what's happening. It's it, it's at least it, the antenna is constantly on, looking for looking for a new yeah. a fresh sig- signal. Um, well, that. That's solid. Yeah. I, now I we want talked to we talked like months ago, like forever ago. We talked about having like the old style, like the on air, like oh, the well, air raid siren yes. style. There were much, if I recall correctly, there were there were many more pneumatic tubes and pipes and levers and oh, things undoubtedly, involved. there was much more um, steampunkish. Yeah. So yeah, I'm actually but no. That's that's exactly what I've been looking for. <laughs> so I am. Um, uh, my wife and I are, are looking at doing um, uh, at refinishing the basement. It's a finished basement, but it's just, you know, it's got drywall, it's painted, there's there's carpet. There's really nothing there there. And we're looking at doing some some plumbing and putting in a bar and some some really fun stuff. And one of the things that I'm keeping in mind when it comes time for us to actually do the construction, I may actually get one of those on-air lights and and have the electrician who's going to be here anyway run the on-air light outside my run office a switch and your run office. A switch to my yeah. desk. I really really want to do it. It looks I mean, it would just be so cool to have that. So I'm I am seriously considering doing that. Uh, I couldn't justify bringing in an electrician just to do that. That felt over the top, yeah. especially since I have a solution. But, you know, if we if we move ahead with this uh, with this basement project, we might um, you know, we might do that. So. Um, nice. So, yeah, that's um, you know, that has been a lifesaver kind of when my kids decide to actually acknowledge it. Um, you know, the five-year-old, yeah. like we said, you know, yeah. he, he knows the rules and then just does it anyway. Yeah. Well, but if it cuts back on 30, 40% of dis- un- net unnecessary yep. distractions, that's, you know, that's worth some value. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, we've talked before there's, uh, you know, about getting into flow state and, and how easy it is to pull somebody out of flow and how much time oh. it costs them to try to get back in. And, Huge. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you, I mean, even if you cut out a few distractions a week, and that's something actually that I, I my wife has complained about before, um, because I can't, uh, just because of like security policy and so forth, she doesn't have visibility into my work calendar. So we have a, 
we have personal calendars that we use for all the other stuff, mm-hmm. but she never knows when I'm in a call and when I'm not um, while I'm at work. So if she wants to just pop in and, and you know, for whatever reason, um, she's never sure. Mm-hmm. So I've thought about, I've thought about some kind of a, a light before that's. Yeah. Yes. Um, range can be a challenge. I'm going through some walls. I'm probably at the limit of it. And the, the, the receiver. So do you have yours like right outside your office or is it like upstairs? Someplace? I tried to do it upstairs and it couldn't reach. It is now. It so you, you okay. remember how my, you've been here. So, you know, my, my range. Yeah, your okay. office is like under the kitchen, right? It's under my, uh, wait a minute. It is under my, uh, part of my laundry room. I have to make sure the laundry room, uh, the, the dryer is always off before we record. That's how I know that. And then, uh, part of my son's bedroom and it's along the outer wall. Okay. So if I, but if okay. I walk out the door of my office and I make basically a hard right and almost a U-turn, I start to go up the stairs to, to the upstairs and I hung the light at the bottom of that stairwell. Bottom of the steps. So right. it's, it's going through several, in order for the signal to reach, it's going through several drywall because there's a, there's also a closet between here and there. So it's going through a bunch mm-hmm. of, of walls. It does reach, but there occasionally it'll lose the connection. So I am at the limit and it's yeah. probably mm, 50 feet. Like it's not very, it's not super strong. It's, it's not a super strong antenna. Um, it's yeah. intended the way that they, de- the way that they advertise it and they show it, they put the, they put the base station inside a conference room and then the light is outside the door of the conference yeah. room. Well, that's in, in my so, case, that's what you, you, your office is much longer than mine. I it is would, much better than yours. You know, yes. mine would have to yes. go, mine would have to go through one wall about 10 feet, 15 yeah. feet away. Yeah. You know, uh, about 10 feet, uh, is, is from, you know, from here to the door and I would just have it right outside the door. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't have to go very far from yeah. me. I could do it outside the I door, wonder but if- I wanted it to be upstairs because the way my house is laid, it's a rancher. And so everything is upstairs. And then it's just a, you know, the family basement in my office downstairs. Yeah, it's more, I wanted it more to be convenient so if somebody can so just can see it. Yeah. 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 So the, see it from rather than having to come downstairs. All the way downstairs. Right. And so I, yeah. I, I knew I, I, you if know, you're talking about first world it. creature comforts, I get you 100%. Now I wonder, yeah. that's what kind first of why I asked about protocol because depending on what the possible integrations are, mm-hmm. there might be ways to have like two flag, I'm going to call them like flag wall units mm-hmm. um, controlled by a single desk. Right. Like that's where it. my mind starts to go. So, so yeah, you, you're, you're already going like full hacksaws on me. I, I didn't. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. absolutely. And, this, and that's great. I'm actually curious to see what you find out. I did not dig into, into mm-hmm. the standards or the specs because, you know, it wasn't something that I was pursuing. Right. Now, what is the what is um, the name of cool, the product though. again? It'd be cool. Lu- uh, Luxafor. I sent you a link in Slack. I sent you a link in Slack. Oh, okay. So I, okay. I sent you the product page, um, and you can check it out there. I originally actually supported these guys on Kickstarter. This was a Kickstarter. Oh, were you that a backer? I, that I backed. Okay. Yep. I was. A, this was a. Okay. This was one of my winners that uh, that I backed. Nice. Couple losers. Couple losers. You know, you you actually. I think you got started on the Kickstarter thing before I did. And then you brought me yeah. on board with a couple. There are a few that I that I backed that that didn't pan out, and you know I lost my money. Uh, but a few have worked out pretty well. This Luxafor one is is one of them. Yeah, I've had I've had mixed results. I look at it I look at it kind of like a gamble. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't I don't play with more money than I'm willing to lose um, because I would say it's been about thirds for me 
uh, uh, successful products, one third. One third are things that never, they never complete, never ship. And then one third they ship, but it's not anywhere near but, what but, you need it. Like it's the the fit and finish, the end result, the polish. It's just, it's not a good product. They shipped, once but they shipped you. the bed at the same time, if you they, get my meaning. Yeah, <laughs> they shipped the bed. I <laughs> That's shipped good. the bed. That's good. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. It's from a commercial, but I, I do uh, I do like it. Um, yeah, I, I'm in the I'm in the same kind of boat. Uh, I've done some products. I've done some uh, I've done some games. I've done some video games. Um, oh, okay. That were um, the video games. The video games that I backed were all. I, I'm really careful about those, um, just because. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is junk, um, but a f- the yeah. the ones that I have backed. Like one of them was already a winner. It was um, uh, the guy who created Mega Man. He broke off on mm-hmm. his own and started his own game studio and basically rebooted Mega Man when Capcom was oh, no wait. longer creating Mega Man games. And his it the was guy like, that created Mega Man. You talk about the ultimate street cred. I mean, it come was on. yeah, yeah. So his 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 uh, his funding was you know eleven billion percent over. Over overfunded. It was <laughs> yeah. it was insane. His stretch goals went on for miles and miles. But here's the thing. So they released the game, and mm-hmm. because they had so much support, like he he kept going and kept promising and things like that. It, it, the original game delivered, and the original game was kind of kind of meh. And they had all oh, this really? follow on stuff, and it kind of flopped over. And he kind of he kind of ghosted. He 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 sort of uh, he and his his firm just sort of up and vanished. There were stretch goals that never got delivered. Um, oh, you know, it, so it was, it, yeah, it's really a shame. Like he, he came out the gate with a lot of momentum and, and it didn't go anywhere. And then there was another one that, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. I'll I'll open steam. See if I still have it installed here. Um, there was another one I backed that was, that was a combination. Uh, did you ever play final fantasy tactics? I know you're a final fantasy seven fan. No. Did you ever play tactics? <clears throat> Oh, no, I never played tactics. Yeah, that's a great game. You you uh, do yourself a favor and grab that one. Um, so Final Fantasy Tactics is this game was a combination of Final Fantasy Tactics and a card battler. Have you ever seen the video the card battle games where you you go you know the the combat system is based on an actual deck of cards. Sometimes they actually show it on screen. It's it's part of the no mechanic. You never seen no, that? I, think, oh, I mean, I played ba- like card card mini games inside of RPGs. No, no, I no. Those whole the games, passion. soup to nuts, based on card battle. Um, Hearthstone is a is a common one that people refer to from Blizzard. Um, that one's free to play. That's the idea. So it's Hearth- basically basically a a video game version of like Magic the Gathering. So that's what Hearthstone is. Okay. So yes. Okay. Yes. Now okay. take that take that concept a step further and apply instead of you sitting at a de- you know sitting at a virtual digital desk playing a video game that mm-hmm. because it's a video game the cards now do you know fantastical things they pop out of the cards right. and they do which is fun yeah. that's cool take that a step further and the mechanics of your of your team your composition and and your you the actions that you take are all based on a deck of cards that is part of your game battle interface. And so, you know, oh. unlike a game like Final Fantasy seven, where, you know, you've got your menus and you pick your abilities and things like that. You still have menus, but those menus are entirely driven by this deck of cards that you have in your hand and it is shuffled before the battle. 
and you know you you compile the cards that go in there, but it's randomized, and it's really neat. That's it, a it, really that's a really weird anachronism. Like I get how it would it's a, work or be fun, but just to think about it from to see, like right. with a fresh set of eyes that I've got, like yes. thinking about like why would I design a video game right that has emulated cards to drive the like why wouldn't you just randomize? It's I, I get how it would be fun. It, 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 yeah, it's it's the mechanics of the of the game and the strategy, the way that things fundamentally change, where instead of having all of your abilities at your disposal at all times and being limited by things like magic points and things like that, you're limited by the randomization uh, of the mm-hmm. deck, uh, the size of the deck, how many cards you have in it, because, you you know, more cards, but it low that lowers your percentile chance of getting any one single card. Getting the one you need. So you're you yeah. you're actually introducing elements. If you're if you're a big card fan, you know, poker fan. Well, that was always some elements that was that, that was that was always a essentially a soft limit on your deck. So I I did I did do MTG back in the day, and oh, cool. you didn't have your minimum deck size was sixty cards. Nobody had sixty one cards, right? right? For that reason, mm-hmm. right? It it was it was. At once, it was it forced you to focus on yep. your strategy, yep. and at the second time, and almost more important to be honest with you, you it, you went over sixty, and you never got the card you needed when you needed it. And right. so, it like yeah, the minimum was sixty, but kind of strategically, the maximum was also sixty. Was also sixty, right? Yeah. So it's that yeah. it's you're you're doing those kinds of card strategy elements in usually an RPG style setting. And so there was this game right. that got, um, it, it was Kickstarter. It was called Children of the Zodiacs. And the the gameplay battle mechanics were Final Fantasy Tactics style. It's this grid. It was isometric. Um, different characters had different classes and different abilities and different movement abilities. And mm-hmm. then, but the the combat system <clears throat> for each person was attached to, for your, for your team was attached to this deck. And so it was this, it's this really neat mashup you had you had things like MTG, Magic the Gathering. There were some chess-like elements to it because it's on a board, which is kind of where oh. Final Fantasy Tactics got that from the you know from the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, RPG elements, magic, it's, it, it, uh, your movement strategies, right. really, it, really intricate and kind of fun. It was kind of fun. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, you should check out Tactics too. Those are those are both pretty good. So th- those were the two games that I have successfully backed, and I always poke my head in there and see what else is going on. Um, I haven't touched anything since, although Steam has sort of been getting in on this as well. Um, you can now launch games on Steam in a game developer alpha beta style, and allow people to download the pre-release version of the game and play the demos. And then the developers actually will issue updates, you know, to those demos and answer questions and things like that. The ones that have the most active developers tend to get more support. And so it's a way to gin up interest and attention to your game before it actually launches in a way that's free because your your game is out there. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. Yeah. 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 And so you're able to get people to to buy into pre-sales before you even hit the the 1.0 release. Uh, The last game I did with that was one called Ender Lilies, which is a uh, Metrovania. Do you, have you heard that term mm-hmm. before? Metrovania? No. All right, so Metrovania is a combination of Metroid and Castlevania, which is refers to the, okay. the, the structure of those games where you have this big open area map, open area in air quotes, 
where sections of it are blocked off because you don't have the requisite skills or you haven't advanced the storyline to get the appropriate key to unlock the door and things like that. And as you explore the game, you gain power and abilities, which opens further areas of the game for you to explore. And you can always go back and check other areas and forward and things like that. And so Metroid is very, very good at this. Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night was the was the first one in the Castlevania series that really adopted this as well. And and Symphony of the Night is still considered uh, one of the greatest games of all time. Um, I remember Castlevania on SNES. That was SNES, a really fun yeah. game. So those were yeah. those were good. Those were those were good games. Symphony of the Night on PlayStation was, I think, where they really, um, I think they really really hit the stride. I, you know, the old NES, um, the old NES games. Uh, Castlevania, uh, Castlevania two and three uh, were all they were really hard platformers. Like, yeah, nasty hard. It was a platformers. challenging game, super challenging games. Um, and they were they were just they were sort of classic Super Mario style, left to right. You know, go through the level yeah. and, and finish it and move on. Um, so anyway, Ender Lilies is a is a Metrovania game like that where you sort of the world expands and you get abilities and things like that. But it's got this very dark style this dark story and this really really unique hand-drawn almost anime art style but it's mm-hmm. it's it's really gritty and grainy you know you you have the the character you control is this adorable girl who's got you know she's like pure white outfit on you know they they, they really highlight the sense of innocence and then she, her her abilities are all attached to these souls that she has tried to save or redeem, but they're all, I mean, they're, they're all, you know, emaciated or skulls or, you know, rusted armor. And they're just, they're, they're dark, but they're there to protect her. But, you know, there's this, this sense of corruption in the world. It's really, really good. Um, really good art and uh, merger of art and um, gameplay and, and story. It's really, really neat. Mm. So a bunch of game references that I hadn't planned on going through, but you know me, I can talk. I yeah. can talk games anytime. Yeah. So. Yeah. Send me links. I'd be curious. I don't, I don't put, I don't put a lot of time into games anymore. I, you know, speaking about being a trailblazer uh, and, and doing new things that no one's done before any free time I have these days is in my basement hand tool woodworking shop. So nice. You know, that's so where, you're, you're, that's you're where pretty, I'm, I'm leading the charge. Yeah. You're pretty hard making big that. pieces of wood smaller under manual effort. Yeah. That's <laughs> to me that, you know, I, we like, do a you? question that we do a question of the week with my team every week, and mm-hmm. I've done a couple of them that talk about hobbies or, um, you know, if you weren't doing this, what profession would you be doing or what would be your second profession when you retire and things like that? Do you know woodworking comes up pretty consistently with my engineering team? Yeah. It, you know, yeah. at first I thought you were just a weirdo. Now I think you're still no. a weirdo, but, you know, you're a weirdo. Other that people fits, are also weird. Yeah, that are also yeah. weird. There's there's some. It's sort of like the the overlap between uh, engineers, software developers, and musicians. I know a lot mm-hmm. of musicians that are software engineers, or vice versa. And I feel like I feel like this woodworking thing might actually fit the same mold. So I, I think for different reasons, though. for different so the, reasons, the the yeah. like software engineer and and musicians similar thought patterns, similar. Yes insane dedication to getting better at something that <laughs> no one else notices right mm-hmm. uh, uh or cares about unless you play publicly for the woodworking i've heard because it's it's not that uncommon 
Um, now, what I do is is almost strictly hand tool woodworking, which is which is more rare um, because why do you why do you hate yourself? But the woodworking in general, a lot of it I have heard the same reason that I got into it. You need to unplug. You need yep. to go do something manual. You yep. need an outlet, and you need to be able to see and touch and have other people see and touch your work product for once. My gosh, right? And that there's <laughs> because there's like a that, and that's what it started. Like you know, like a job satisfaction thing. Um, you know, and I come from like a like a very hands on type family, and so everybody understands what everybody does and they're hard trades, right? And so people can understand, even if they don't know a, a, a thing about electrons, they understand an electrician runs wires that make lights turn on, right? Mm -hmm. Or a mechanic is going to make a car that doesn't go be able to go. These are things that people at least have enough casual experience. Uh-oh. Oh, we're having some technical difficulties. Looks like we lost Chris. All right, we got you back. I'm already recording, so you're good. I could, I could still hear you, but your video froze, and you couldn't hear me, so I don't know what that was. Zoom. Um, Let it go, Zoom. All your yeah. stupid Zoom-ness. It's not a product endorsement. Goodness gracious. Not at all. Me. No, that's why I threw the buzzer in there. Can't, can't say the yeah. product name and then not follow that up with some you know element of failure to go some along with it. Some indication of yeah shame. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you were saying about, about your, your hand tools. So, right. Anyway, uh, but you, you know, as a, as a software engineer, you go and people understand that you type all day and mm -hmm. that's it, right? There's Pretty no, much, yeah. there's, there's no immediate and even high level and okay, you make software programs. Well, what does that mean? You mm -hmm. know, and there's, because it's so, there's so many different things. And so, and not only um, that, so much of it doesn't ever see the light of day parts of it. So much of it. So parts of it, and, and this is, you know, part, part of it is hidden behind corporate stuff. So it's an internal product. And so it's nothing that anyone would ever use. Even if it's yeah. a forward facing product, a lot of times those never even make it to market. I've done that a bunch. Yeah. And I know you have too, mm -hmm. where you work forever on this thing and then it never launches. So you can't even show people what you did. That's, mm -hmm. that, you know, which is why when things do launch and when I have things that do actually make it public, I'm super, super excited about it. So I have on my wall um, the one of the first apps that I, that I developed when I was with uh, Destination Imagination. It's a nonprofit uh, education-oriented uh, company. And I built their first, um, their first true blue e-commerce store. They had had some mm -hmm. online ordering functionality before, but I actually gave them the, you know, a, 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 an actual storefront with products and, and, and all that sort of stuff, uh, e-com platform. And the site was called ShopDI. And I, I built and maintained that for pretty much the entire time I was there. And it got real traffic and generated real revenue. And I ran that thing soup to nuts and I couldn't be prouder of that. And so I have a, on the, on my wall, I have an old, placard that we used at conferences that I mm -hmm. kept and I got that mounted and framed because it's, it, it, it was yeah. one of, it was the first of mine that got public and to this day remains one of the only ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause even, even, you know, you can have, you can have real customers and real traffic that generates real revenue and it's B2B and it just doesn't. Yeah. Nobody know, would it, still it see it. But I think, and the point isn't like, what everybody else thinks about what you do. The point is to demonstrate that I don't think we're immune from that as, as, as developers. I don't think we're immune from the innate 
like the human brain is not evolved to understand virtual yeah. products. And yeah, so and you want to you show just, it to you, people. A, you want to show people, I did this. I made this. You want to show a sense of accomplishment. I think that's part of the reason why the well, work right, itself the, is the so frustrating. That, the fact that you, no, the fact, what I'm saying is that is that it, it's not just beyond showing people. That's I'm using that as an example to demonstrate that the brain just doesn't appreciate it. And so when you're the one writing it and doing it, and your brain isn't appreciating all of the time and stress mm-hmm. and effort and thought you're putting into this, it creates dissonance that there's cognitive problems that that I think I think makes you prone to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's why you see a lot of like a lot of developers more than you might think go into um, woodworking or welding or, you know, whatever. And, and some of them go, you know, they'll go like the IOT or drones or it, the point mm-hmm. is it's mm-hmm. going to be something tactile. Tangible. It's going to be something that you you can point to and say, I did this. It wasn't here before, and but for my effort, it would not be here um, because your brain just needs something physical. It needs a physical manifestation of all this time and effort you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's 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 not um, I think it's it's not super uncommon. You know, you know, I think about the podcast this way. I actually think about the podcast in much the same way because this is something that is uh, much more easily obtainable, observable, consumable yeah. to a broader audience than, than the work and itself. I, and I'm putting in so much time and effort and energy dealing with you every week. It's I mean, good to that, have something I mean, that people can, if, if that yeah. does not get you, you know, some sort of mother Teresa esque, you know, <laughs> classification, I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know what will, I just don't know what will. Um, <clears throat> and so it is, and it's an actual, you know, going back to my shop. But that's DI another argument. That's a, it's that's actual a great site. point though. It's a, you can point yeah. people at it. It has actual And people content. understand now that words. we're in 2021, people finally are starting to understand, you know, broadly, like what is a podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, it was still kind of niche, I'll say, right? Like yeah. You couldn't go and you're, you know, your crazy uncle didn't know what a podcast was and, and now he does. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that's true. Yeah. And that's it's true. words as opposed to code. So it's, it's, you know natural human yeah. language. So already immediately more graspable than uh, yep. what we, what we build. Cause that doesn't make any sense to hell. That doesn't make sense to <clears throat> even other engineers unless they spend several hours just observing uh, it. <laughs> and and in the same way of, in the same way as like making a bookshelf, they're not all awesome and that's okay. You learn to kind of uh, accept that, the exercise itself is valuable, even if, you know, there's some lows along with the highs. I think yep. that's a valuable thing. Yeah. I mean, practice makes perfect and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's the, you know, I do the podcast thing. I actually do find gaming to be an outlet. So I know you don't game. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I've been doing that since I was five and I see no signs of stopping. Um this video card shortage is making things a little difficult that's an, for the new that's, stuff. That's an but. indictment if ever I've heard one. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that I'm not stopping? Don't let the don't let the pearl clutchers that correlate uh, video games and real world violence. It's just oh. give the example of Frank Cole. He's been he's been gaming <laughs> since five. That's that's more I, evidence I, than I, anybody I am, needs to just, shut that industry. That's down. right. I am just one breath away from a from a spree of some sort somewhere. Yeah! Right. Yeah. Yeah ridiculous but anyway so i i mean i've been doing that that's been an escape for for most of my um you know for most of my career but that's not t- 
tangible. That's more of an isolated thing, but it does get it. Yeah. It gets my brain. It gets my brain out of the stuff that, um, you know, that, that it normally, that I'm normally doing in, in software. And, and now even, you know, I'm doing less software and it's more management. It just gets my head out of that space. Um, yeah. if, if forces me in, into, you know, it forces my brain to work in another way. It forces me to focus on a thing. Oh, I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta be careful or, you know, the bad guy's going to beat me and my character's going to die. And so, it, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's well, a, a nice, pull your mind out of it. It it's pulls my mind out of it. And yeah, it's escape. But yeah. it's escapism, like escapism, that can be two different things. I think, I think a lot of people, they hear it's an escape or they hear escapism and they think, well, what that means is you're trying to contrive some fantasy world in which you go to get away from real life. And right. that's a real thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're talking about here, it's escapism in the sense that my whole intellect has fallen into this toothy black pit of whatever multi-year project I'm working yes. on. And I need a rope to get out at the end of the day and escape yep. back to normal human sense of, of self and yep. and con- social contact, or I'm going to stay in this pit and die here mentally. Yeah. Like that's. And that's I. So I it is that, an escape, but I true. want to point out that it's not necessarily no. It's escapism. not the escape from yeah. It's not escapism. Yeah. It's not escape yeah. from reality. So I'm glad you brought, I'm glad you you raised that because that is absolutely not what is what is happening here. It like I was saying, it forces my brain into thinking about other things. Um, anything else? Anything <laughs> like else? Literally I'm, anything else? Because you I, sit there, you spin. Oh my god! How do I? Why does that thing keep segfaulting? Part of the reason I can't understand where. That's part of the reason why yeah. I'm not big on TV. I watch a, I watch some TV, but I'm mm-hmm. not. You know, you will not find me consistently every night. You know, before bed, watching TV. I I game right. and I read. I actually am I'm a real, real prolific reader, mostly fantasy. Again, outside mm-hmm. of my normal day to day stuff, you know, I I I get my brain out of out of those spaces. Um, and uh, you know, I I don't watch. I, I watch some TV, but I find that that does not. It doesn't have the same, um, the off no, switch there is not as strong because it doesn't it require these as much attention. Right, exactly. And so this other it's thing actually proactively requires my attention yeah. and it's actually flexing mental muscles that I don't otherwise flex. Um, the best analogy I can come up with, um, my my wife um, is, a, is a veterinarian and uh, I think we've talked about this and she's really super smart. And um, when she was working full-time she's now doing uh she teaches and she does per diem work at one point she was doing full-time practice work uh when she was doing that she got way into uh things like real housewives of insert Mm. insert city here uh, and and other shows other reality shows like that just just really really bottom of the barrel just dumb crappy television and she knew it and she was okay with that yeah it was just her brain worked all day in this high level you know medical approach and this was just just mental it's mental hospice yeah (laughs) mental hospice right and so it was just a way for her to decompress it was the same right was the same kind of thing that's that's sort of how i approach that's how i approach the gaming and it has always been that way and I don't know if that's common or not. I, I find a lot of my coworkers fall in, into your camp where, you know, early in the career or, you know, 
earlier in their lives, they were big gamers, but you know, it has slowly fallen off. It never fell off with me. And I remember thinking for a while that, you know, it must be me and I'm the weirdo and that's probably true. But I, you know, for a while it was like, is there something wrong? And now I think, no, no, there's not something wrong. This is just, this is a thing, one that I really enjoy doing. And two, it works to, you know, keep, you know, help me keep my equilibrium. And now I've got my kids. Now I've got my kids hooked on it too. My daughter loves Breath of the Wild <laughs> from uh, on the Switch. She she loves that Zelda game. So <laughs> we just we just played we just played Mario Kart last night. The four of the two older kids with us and uh, oh, I uh, bet that was fun. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Yeah, older. and uh, you know my daughter still spends the whole time eating the guardrail, but it's just they have a blast with it. And, <laughs> you know, my my son's a little perfectionist, so he gets mad that he's. Why, why I got eighth place in that race. Why am I 10th overall? I don't understand this, you know? (laughs) I haven't gone, I have, I have avoided games like Mario Kart and other competitive style games for that very reason. My daughter is a perfectionist and she's hyper competitive and she'll get, she won't get mad at other people. She gets mad at herself. And so I, we have started. Yeah, we have started into so like board games uh, and card games. My wife has started Ooh. to look for like cooperative where like everybody wins kind of. A th- and it's not mm-hmm. like a it's not like a participation trophy thing. It's like it causes so much stress and drama because somebody's going to lose and yep. somebody's going to be pissed about it that it's like yeah. this is a game. It's meant primary reason we're here is to be here together as a family and do something and have fun. And if every time we try to do it somebody runs away crying at the end like that's not that's not <laughs> what we're doing and it's clear over the past couple of years that we can't teach that out of them like they're just not there yet maturity wise so we have to go and you know yeah yeah we still I, do I play agree. Co- it's you know competitive games sometimes it's not that we don't do that but you rotate some other stuff in so that it's not always that dynamic right yeah i mean i i definitely think it's a maturity thing but i also think there is something to be said for the exposure to that as well like my my kids we've got um um shoots and ladders and candyland and these are games that have oh shoot me in the head shoot candy we played candyland the other night mm-hmm. i don't i don't know why i'm playing this with them you don't actually need players for this game a, a robot could do it I, that's true no, I, no, you, I can't, you, I just, I actually fall asleep playing those games. I can't do it. My I, brain doesn't, it just rejects the notion. I, 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 well, you're not doing it for you, first of all, but you know that. Um, but that has a, that has an element of lightweight competitiveness that, yeah. I mean, and then there is a winner and a loser. And I think that being exposed to that and understanding that you're not always going to win and you're not always going to be mm-hmm. perfect is super duper important. I mean, hell, we yeah. deal with that. I deal with this now. <laughs> I mean, I deal with this with my my team now, you know, going into new projects, going into new tech. You you don't know it. That's okay. You know how to learn. That's the most important thing is knowing how to learn. Knowing that you don't know a thing and you go off and you just kind of you 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 know, nose yep. to the grindstone and figure it out. And that's And you're going to get bruises along the way. You're, you're right. That's but the expected. bruises are yeah. the bruises are the necessity to, you know, build mm-hmm. the build those muscles, you know, strength and comfort cannot coexist. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. Strength and comfort cannot coexist. And so it's, it's important that they get some of that. So, um, so I, I like those games, but I do like the cooperative stuff too, just because when, if we're doing a game night and I just don't feel like dealing with it, you know, yeah, like yep, that's a- yeah. you pull one of those <laughs> off. Yeah. I, my son, my son wanted to play chess 
like at his fifth birthday, he wanted to learn how to play chess. And we did. And I learned very quickly the answer to this is handicap. Because mm. I like I was not I wasn't gonna throw the game because that's right. not gonna teach him to get better. Right. I wasn't going to destroy him every game it moves seven because that's no fun at all for anybody. Um and I learned that like I will just we'll you know we'll play a game I'll figure out how to handicap and then I play as hard as I can but you know the game the trick is you got to play a few times to calibrate like what mm-hmm. that handicap needs to be in order to level it right. and then sometimes he wins and it's a real victory for him and it still keeps you engaged and so um I'm like I'm like the handicapped dad I'm just anything that can be handicapped I will do it because I feel like that that creates the best just uh, like engagement and learning and and experience for really both of us if i'm being honest you know it's Mm -hmm. it's about the kid obviously um but you know if you play the same game 19 times in a row you're not in it like you start you start phoning it in like it's just human nature you can't mentally you're just just check out it's like i'm done yeah i just i yeah it's it's really hard to keep that focus over those over those mass stretches so i I try and make them worthwhile with a with a concrete time limit because the and your brain turns to mush. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, so let's see here. What else is going on? Uh, there was a, oh, I don't know if I want to bring this one up now. Um, but how much time we got? 10 minutes. Sure. Why not? Let's go with it. Uh, there was a conversation that one of my, uh, one of my managers brought to the table in, in a, in a team meeting. And I thought it was really good for, be a good conversation for us. And it's a simple question. Can motivation be taught? Mm. That's it. Can motivation motivation be taught? And we led, this led to a pretty extended conversation about the notion of, of motivation and whether or not that was something that, you know, was inherent. They had to bring to the table, you know, could you inculcate it? Could you, could you encourage it? So where where did the where did the conversation go? I'm curious. I mean, when I mean in in all those directions, um, all the directions. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I you and I have dealt with employees that you know, like we we try and get them to be you know on board, and they don't. Um, you you and I have dealt with people who are you know just sort of nine to five, which is mm-hmm. there's not it's not bad, it's not wrong but it's a different level of motivation and the motivating factors there are different. Um, you know, you're never going to get that person to really, you know, wholeheartedly buy into the mission, but as long as they're doing their job and they're meeting the requirements, then, you know, okay. Um, trying to get them to go that extra step though, you know, you, you, you kind of want to well, encourage you think, with the door. To I, open, I don't know. But, you wind up, with that, you you wind up with like a pieces of flair type scenario. You can. And I'm not that's, really, that's another thing. I'm, that's actually we talked like, about pieces dock, of flair. We talked about that. yeah. Like I I dock no points from anyone for doing nine to five. I, yeah, I wish I could do nine to five consistently. Right. Um. But see, you could. What I, what I will. You care. could, but then you would. You know, your your motivation is such that you know it it pushes you to go over and above simple nine to five. That that goes back to your motivation. So, but I, the, I'm looking. So, I guess uh, uh, that's a new thought in my brain. I don't want to respond to it instantly. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, put where it I was going with that, yeah, where I was going with that is 
to me, I care more about what's happening during those nine to five hours, mm-hmm. right? So if that's if that's a you know nine to five, that's an eight hour day. You can have somebody who is nine to five on the nose, doesn't sign in before eight fifty nine, and is gone by five oh one, and just slays it in mm-hmm. between. Mm-hmm. Sky's the limit for this person, mm-hmm. right? You can have somebody that is signed in for twelve or thirteen hours a day, but then. Half the time they've got Netflix off to the side or they're taking 15 coffee breaks or they're going to saunter around the neighborhood just because it's sunny and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. maybe they're not really get right. So it's to me, it's about being present and, in, you know, being engaged when you're present or being right. present, I guess you could just simply say, um, rather than. Well, I, I guess it's a combination being present and getting the job done, whatever the job is. To me, and we've talked about this before, matters a lot more than the number of hours worked in a given span of time. Yeah, work smarter, not harder, and and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, t- I, 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 I'll you know, this is exactly what happened in our conversation. Um, but if you if you boil it down, you know, to the to the raw question, can motivation be taught? Given a baseline level of motivation, whatever it is, you know, wherever it's at on the chart, mm-hmm. given that baseline, can you get that baseline? to increase. Now, my theory is that yes, you can, but that person has to already have, uh, be self-inclined toward realizing that motivation. And so I, I, an example, so, so an eight to fiver, uh, type of personality does, you know, does good enough work and goes home. And they start to work for a company that's doing something new, unique, different, other in in some way inspirational. Okay, and they really, you know, they really like the 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 company that's being built. They really like the team that they're a part of. They really like the product that's being delivered and what it's doing for its users. Whatever, there's there's some extra there that they can see and glom onto and recognize. This is really good, and it makes me want to do more. And so, you know, your baseline was here because of these externalities that you know are of value to the person. Now they they buy in, and you can and and they will actually you know go above and beyond. Um, I think that in that sense, it's not being taught; it's being encouraged. And so, I'm you know th- this might be a you know, I, I might actually be sidestepping the question a little bit, um, but I, I do think you can get that motivation to go up or down based on, you know, those kinds of external factors, things that are of value or not to an individual. I would agree. I think I think the the essential argument there is that an individual comes to the table with a baseline mm-hmm. and the final score is that baseline plus some external modifier and the impact that that external modifier has is moderated by their proclivity, their willingness and ability to be influenced in that way. So you could have somebody with reasonably high motivation that learns from their environment, just don't give a rip because it doesn't matter. And you Mm -hmm. can, you can modify that final score down. You can have somebody that comes in really low at just because they're um, amenable to it. And you have the right culture in place and the right structure, you can you can wind up with a final score that's pretty high, 
with a right set of, you know, factors and supporting and, factors. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Supporting factors. Right. And so I think, I think that's right. I think it, it can motivation be taught like that specific verbiage. I think no, but I think the net motivation you get from someone is what they bring to the table moderated by the environmental fact. And that can be different. Like, it's not just to say that, well, we have a culture or a team or a project or a period of time where everybody's modifier is plus four on whatever mm-hmm. the base motivation. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking very like, like we're just talking gaming. So I'm thinking like character stats. Sure. Yeah. You, know, yeah, motivation I, I, is one yeah, of you went with a character sheet. No, um, I, I see where you were yeah, going with that. Um, yeah. Because, because the same, like the same AOE buff, uh, we're going whole hog on this, the same AOE buff on motivation will like you have individual uh buffs and debuffs that you come in with too so that mm-hmm. that's that extra let's say there's a there's a bonus we finish this project by january 1st everybody gets five thousand dollar bonus boom mm-hmm. somebody that really needs money that's going to impact them or somebody that doesn't really need them is not going to impact them as much right and so it's very personal but, the, I, but, I but those the are motivation itself well, hold on. It is interesting you say that. First of all, on this character sheet, we were obviously talking about a bard because the bard class is the, obviously the the quintessential uh, buff buffing buffing class. Yeah, we'll, um, go with, we'll go with it. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go with bard. Um, second of all, you mentioned money. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about is the types of motivating factors. So all the things that I talked about, uh, you know, the benefit of the product and things like that. Those are higher level. Callings, oh, I'm just the, going with an easy example. No, right? no, no. But this, there's a direct quant because it has a direct quantity. And no, no, it no, doesn't I, necessarily yield. Yeah, I get it. But the type of motivating factors I think is important too, because yeah. if it's money, then the net, the net increase in motivation is going to be more predictable, but it's also going to be smaller. It's going to be less multiplicative. I guess would be the yeah. way of putting it. Because, oh, okay, if I do this thing, I'll get some more money. Okay, great. I did that thing. I got some more money. If you want me to do this extra thing again, you'll give me more money. It's very transactional. And everybody has that, you know, none of us is working here for free, understandably. And so that's that's already a, a baseline. You know, and you're adding on top of that how much you add for what amount of effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a calculation that everyone does. It's the same calculation you do for a job. Is that motivating? Kind of, you know, I need a house, I need food, I'd like some, you know, some nice things in my life. And, you know, so, you know, the the number, the amount of dollars that I go after is sort of part and parcel to, to that yeah. as part of the equation. Um, and then there are the higher level motivating factors, the team around you, the company, the product, the cu- the customers, the culture, the, the, the nature of the work, you know, the, the sense of fulfillment of the work. And those will get you, if you can line them up. They'll get you much, much better results. They cost you less in terms of hard dollars, but it's harder to do. And it's, it's easy to miss. I think a lot of places miss it. Uh, and I feel like it's a moving target too. Uh, I don't think that you can even stay in the same place. So for example, my company was acquired earlier this year. Okay, The company that we have now is fundamentally, in some respects, not the company that it was prior to the acquisition. Part of the allure of the company pre-acquisition was the notion of building this thing and being part of this team, doing something new and unique and original. And we're still doing the same kind of work, but it's but but we've reached one of those those end goals. The company got acquired, and so one of those plateaus. So we hit one of those plateaus. So the motivations changed. 
And yeah. I, I think I think this is this is one of, if not the primary reasons why you automatically see a set of departures after an acquisition because the the situation changed, the motivating factors changed, the influences changed, mm-hmm. and people go, "This isn't what I want," and I'm going to go find something that I want. And you know, God love them. Go, you know, I, I always. I always well, and let's and, be pragmatic. A lot of the departures are also people that just don't want change. Well, there's that right, too. They, no, absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes. There's absolutely some of that too. Yeah. But the, your your point is your point's very valid. I think there are three people though. When you when you talk about those higher order motivations, it it's all people, A. Mm-hmm. And there are three specific people. There's you, your team, and your customers. Right. Okay. So your personal motivators, right? And let's, you know, get the financial stuff aside. It was, a, it was a trivial example, but you know, it's, it's kind of boring. It's part and transactional. of it. It's always part of uh, it. You know, one of the things I can say to you is, uh, look, I know that you are interested in X and we can work some X into this project so that you can learn it and grow it and do it awesome and be proud of it and push yourself and yada, yada, yada. One of the other things I can say is, look, once we have done this, it'll be a feather in your cap. It's a career growth opportunity, that kind of a thing. Right. And so you can um, which I guess you could also say is related to it, just a strict monetary prize in so much as a career as a proxy for, you know, the future income or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, what, you know, mm-hmm. um, the other person in the room is your coworkers. And so I find that to be, um, that to be one of the primary higher order motivators, right? Yes. You do absolutely. this well, everybody else on the team benefits now and moving forward. That's a huge motivator for somebody to really dig in and do something well. Mm-hmm. because they don't care about anybody else in the office nearly as much as the guy sitting right next to them or the girl sitting right next to the woman sitting right next to her. So um, you know, that can be, that can be a real motivator, um, mm-hmm. especially when the thing that needs to be done is really not that sexy and it's, it's not that interesting and it's, you know um, but if you know you're helping your teammates and they're going to ha- try to help you, that's a, th- and then the third person is the customer. So if you have a company like, I mean, if you, if you work for Nike and you're built writing code for their e-coms, you know, platform, great. That's, that's awesome. People need shoes, right? I'm not saying that's not a bad mission, but if you're working for a company that say your software supports children in need, mm-hmm. okay, the mission of the company, your end, you know, customer or, or a user or, you know, the, the, the end person who is impacted by what you're doing that I think is a is a close second to the team motivator, um, because if you if you're serving a mission that's worthy of people's time and sweat, they're going to put in the time and sweat and make it a success. Um, so I think those so I think your teammates and your your customers can be a tight race for one and two in terms of those higher order m- motivation modifiers. Yeah, I don't know what the. No, that's that's good. I agree. I, I think that those. But I think are, you take that same person out. You take that same person out. You put them in a different company, a different situation. All that goes away, and you're left. You, they're back to their baseline. I don't know that a lot of that sticks, except with experience, maybe a little bit of growth over time. But if you're somebody who's, you know, has an acuity to that, I think that. And that I was think like it your sticks in the comment. sense that you 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 start to recognize what what you like and what works versus what you don't like and what doesn't work. And you start looking for cues that would indicate one or the other in future jobs. You know, I've worked in, I've worked in really, really good places. I've worked in some crappy places too. I've gotten a good sense of what to look for to find what I like and avoid what I don't. And right. uh, you also, 
because you, if you've, if you've been there and you've experienced it, you know what works and you know what's good and you know you want to do that again, you might proactively seek, and this again to motivation, might proactively seek to establish that again, you know? Hey, yeah. we had this yeah. great thing over here. I see we've got some of the baseline elements going on in this new in this new situation. And I think we could I think we could collectively recapture that if we all you know, work together and get on board with it and things like that. And, you know, it's funny, all of these things that we're talking about, this is a big portion of the reason why one of the things that we look for when we do interviews uh, is self-startedness, uh, independent drive and motivation factors and things like that, because, um, you know, there, I think there is a baseline. I don't think it can be taught. I think yeah. it can be encouraged, but the person has to already have the, some, some requisite ingredients to like to everything do else it. in life combination of nature and nurture essentially yeah you know yeah and i don't think you can change i think you can change that's a good way of putting it actually so can motivation be taught well i mean it kind of boils down maybe to a nature nurture thing and the nurture yes and that's something that you can you can have some control over the nature no their baseline whatever it is and there's probably there are going to be breakpoints where if yeah. the motivation factors are too low it's just not going to work and it's not going to, it's not going to yeah. fit. So, yeah. And um, very, very few things in life are as clear cut as like congenital heart disease versus being a jerk to the neighbor's dog. Like it's all, <laughs> it's always a combination it's of always nature and nurture. Yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah. it is always gray. All right. Let's, uh, yeah. Let me get this, let me get this rolling. So here. I'm motivated to get the heck out of here. So <laughs> I've learned what works for me is not working with you. So that's, that's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair. I can, I can, I, you know, I can, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. My motivation yeah, is to yeah, get a sandwich. Yeah, make some good it's, points. Uh, it's <laughs> lunch a sandwich. I am, I am hungry. All right, get us out of here. All right. Uh, well, if you have uh, if you have any thoughts on this nature and nurture uh, where motivation is concerned, we'd be uh, thrilled to hear from you. You can uh, shoot us a note at feedback at refactor.work. You can also do a little voice record on your phone and email that to us. We'll, we'll get you on the show. Um, you can find all of our past show notes, archives, uh, picks, everything at uh, refactor.work. That's the main site there. Find more Frank online at hotcoals.com. K-O-E-H-L-S dot com and myself at Chris dot Tonkinson. Actually, I finally got that redirect working. So Tonkinson dot com. Will get nice. There. Good for you. Uh, nice. This has been episode 42 of the Refactored podcast recorded uh, August 5th, 2021. Thanks so much, Frank. I appreciate you. See you, buddy. <laughs>